Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest is a New York-based screenwriter, actor, and producer. He's a graduate of North Carolina Central University in HBCU, where he was an athlete on a track and field team. He was able to obtain two degrees in political science and English literature. After graduating, he enrolled in the summer certificate program from the Rita and Burton Goldberg Department of Dramatic Writing at NYU Tisch to help work on his screenwriting skills. In 2018, he produced and wrote his first full-length film feature, When the Well Runs Dry, that premiered and was nominated for Best Feature at Bronze Lens Film Festival. It was then selected to spotlight screen at New York's Latino Film Festival. As an actor, He's co-starred on several primetime television series, including Law & Order, SVU, and Celebrity Ghost Stories, and featured roles on several indie films. He now has his own movie titled A for Alpha that he's also produced, acted in, and written. Let's welcome today Mr. Reggie Lachard. Reggie, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here today, and um, I'm excited to get into these topics of conversation and like, you know, um, shed some more light on my forthcoming film, A for Alpha. Um, I'm truly excited and I really can't wait for the world to experience this project. Yes, sir. I'm excited to see it myself, man. And, um, and just a little history here, Reggie and I go way back from high school, man, on the same track team together. Um, I didn't go on to run in college, but Reggie ran in college and I know you had aspirations too of, you know, making it to the Olympics and everything, but you know, everything <laughs> happens for a reason, man. You didn't make it to Olympics, but you're doing amazing things right now, man. And I've been kind of, you know, watching you and I'm really proud of the work that, that you've done so far, man. So kudos, kudos. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, um, uh, something that my mom used to always say to me is that um, when one door closes and another one opens up, and I think that's the the moral of my life you know like you said earlier i didn't make it to the olympics but you know me not going to the olympics allowed me to to um focus on my um artistic craft you know acting uh, writing producing so you know i'm i'm very fortunate looking back at my life today the way things happen it had to have happened absolutely man this is this is the what the universe wanted man um <laughs> all right so just you know, backtracking, man, like before everything that you're doing right now, man, um, just growing up, man, where'd all this stuff come from, man? Um, so can you share with us just how your life was kind of growing up and how you got into, you know, pretty much where you are now? Well, I didn't grow up in in, in the arts. As as you mentioned earlier, I grew up running track. Um, um, my parents are very traditional. Um, I grew up in a very, um, I want to say a strict household. You know, for me, it was pretty much just academics and athletics you know um I, I didn't grow up as one of those kids who their parents were dragging them off to auditions every weekend or you know they were in competitions or I was never in a drama club because my my parents are immigrants and um uh they just this this wasn't their world you know what I mean they didn't know anything about Hollywood they didn't know anything about the movie business, you know, for, for them. And I guess for myself as well, um, 
I thought the only people who made it in this business or who worked in this business were people who were either kids of actors or producers or directors, you know, already working in the business, right. which you, which you hear that often, of course, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they knew someone in the business. I mean, I, we had no attachments to the film world, uh, my family and I, and, um, but I've always loved cinema. I've always loved films, films. Um, they always just did a little more for me than, right. than they really should have. You know, and what really got me excited was when I was 13 years old, I watched The Matrix, you know, um, in oh, 2001. Man. Now, granted, the film came out in 1999, but, you know, my parents had taken to the movie theaters to go see that film. So I had to wait till it came on. I think it was HBO, I think, maybe. Um, and then that's when I saw it, two years after it came out. But I remember seeing it and that movie just really, it, it just changed my life. It really now, did. What what was it exactly about the Matrix, man? Because uh, for those that have not watched the Matrix, Matrix, you're talking if, well, about. Well, let me cut you off there. If you haven't watched the Matrix, you have to watch the Matrix. <laughs> you have Absolutely. To. With the Matrix, man, like uh, you know, it, it's it's philosophy, it's action, it's psychology, it's um, just a whole lot of um, you know, the slow mo's and just the different things that that were on there, like kind of for the first time on the screen. Well, man. yeah, so, for sure. Like the stop motion, you know, there hadn't been nothing like that in the industry used before. Like the Matrix was revolutionary in so many ways. It was a groundbreaking film. It, um, you know, to this day, if you watch the Matrix, it's it 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 holds up very very well. You know, it's aged well. A lot of the things that they address in the film, you know, you can look at it today. You already mentioned philosophically, you know, it really makes you question the reality that we're living in. Like, you know what I mean? So um, watching that film definitely changed my life. And, um, you know, unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, um, I couldn't do anything about it until I was about maybe 22 years old when I graduated from undergrad. Mm -hmm. And... um, and I had got injured. And at that point, after my track and field injury, it opened up an opportunity for me to pursue this avenue. And that's really how I fell into um, this, this world. I started off modeling and from there, modeling led to an acting gig. Um, and then I think once I booked my first acting gig, which was on, on the show, The Beautiful Life, on which is a show that was on CW that got canceled, um, that gave me the confidence to pursue this this avenue but you know that was back in 2009 2010 so right. like it wasn't the renaissance back then like it is today with the black mecca of hollywood all these amazing black films that are coming out today um so i quickly found out that if i wanted to be in the types of roles that i envisioned in my head um i had to be the one to write them you know, um, you know, I, at the time I had an, I had an agent who was, let's just say not the best. <laughs> um, let's just go with that. And um, she was really sending me out on things that I, God, I did not want to do. Like, I mean, you know, just, just, there's just jobs that I felt like, you know, I was capable of more, Right. you know, Um and although I kept on telling her and asking her, you know, because you make friends in the industry, when, when you start going to a couple of 
audition rooms, you meet the same actors over and over. And some actors have are represented by this agent or this management or whatever, whatever. So you guys, mm-hmm. you guys become friends on Facebook and you talk and you say, oh, I just went out for this, this, this role on Law and Order. And you're like, what, what? Like, I didn't hear <laughs> about that. Why didn't I hear about that? I think I'd be perfect for that, you know? Or like, they'll say things like, oh yeah, did you hear about the new Will Smith film? They're auditioning this role for it. And you're like, oh, what? And then you're calling your agent like, wait, wait, why don't you submit me? And your agent's like, oh, either one of two things. Either they didn't hear about it or they didn't think you were right for it. And you're like, uh, what? You didn't think I was right for this? This is exactly what I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so needless to say, I took screenwriting courses at NYU and I wrote my first short film and um you know we shot it you know did all hope that did that whole hoopla and that was my first time producing writing and acting and i fell in love with it i felt i i didn't know at the time what could become of it because Mm -hmm. it's like in this industry you know it's not a very linear industry it's not like you okay you wake up and you're gonna be a filmmaker and then like there's just trajectory to follow you can go to, whether you go to USC, NYU, Columbia, Carnegie Mellon, you can go to whatever school you want to and everyone's stories are different. You know, how Tyler Perry became Tyler Perry is a much different story than how Spike Lee became Spike Lee, where Spike Lee um, went to NYU, you know, um, um, or how even Ron Howard became Ron Howard. You know, the, everyone's story is different. It's not, it's not like going to law school or, or going to medical school and becoming a physician. It's not, mm. it's not the same, it, you know, pe- the trajectory is very flu- fluid, constantly mm-hmm. moving, you know? Um, because we are in a business that is so subjective, you know, one, what one person may love, someone else may think, oh my God, it's just okay, you know? And right. that's just the nature of the industry that I'm in. So like, I had to work hard at it, you know, I had to work really hard and um, just my stepping stones. Like I said, I, 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 I was modeling first, acting, took writing courses. And then from after I wrote my first script, I was a nobody, you know, no one knew who I was. They, they weren't just going to automatically produce the script. I had to do it myself. And so by default, I became a producer. You know, mm. I had to quickly learn um what a producer is, what a producer does. I had to learn terminology. I had to learn the the lingo and understand how to move to to, to make it. Kind of like sink or swim. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I definitely didn't want to sink because, you know, my parents had zero faith in me making it in this industry and I didn't want to prove them right. Um, and what, what part of uh, the Caribbean were your parents from? Or your my, parents from? My parents are Haitian. Right, 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 right. Uh, man, we know how that goes, man. Lawyer, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> it's, always, it's always something. If it's not that, then just listen, trust me. <laughs> you know, what, what's amazing, man, and um, something we definitely try to preach on Mastermind too, man, is just creating your own path and um, not allowing, you know, we, we all know that there's, there's these uh, barriers for us, you know, as Black people in different, you know, in different uh genres of life man whether it be being an actor being a lawyer being a teacher doing whatever you know what I mean like just creating your own path and not waiting and allowing you know you you didn't wait for something to magically open up that was perfect for you you kind of created that 
created the perfect thing for you. And I think that's, that's super duper important, man. And I know, um, you know, Chad, even tragic Bozeman talked about the same thing, man, like him, you know, in the beginning, like of his career, having roles where he was like the criminal, like the thief and all this kind of stuff. And oh, to, yeah. you know, <laughs> having um self-respect, man. And he went to an HBCU too, man. Like where, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, that was probably preached if I'm not correct, man, at North Carolina Central University of just establishing self-respect and representation, man, how you re- represent yourself as oh, a black yeah. man. And I, I got it <laughs> not to cut you off. Yes, but, sir. Let's hear it. Um, my school is, 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 is so instrumental in who I am today. Now, um, NCCU, North Carolina Central University, um, was not my first pick of school to go to, but having gone through it, having gone there, I really couldn't see myself going anywhere else. Again, it's it's back to the same old adage that I said earlier about um, the universe and, and, and just God putting me in the right place. He put me where I needed to be because he mm. knew that's what I needed to, where I needed to be at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. And just having that confidence that, you know, I'm going to figure this out, even if I don't know it right now. You know, I'm going to learn the writing. I'm going to learn the producing. I'm going to learn the acting. And just part of your process, what was your process like kind of learning and mastering your skills, man, in those different categories, man? Well, I'm still working on it, but I can speak about, I could take it through steps. Um, mm-hmm. So with acting, um, even though I had booked, um, um, you know, I had booked The Beautiful Life, it was a very, very small role. So like the speaking lines were like almost nil, you know? Gotcha. Um, even though I had booked it, I had booked it as a model. Um, when the show got canceled, um, I had met Cor- Corbin Blue. I had met Mishka Barton because we were on set every single day together. You know, I asked them just like, what are some things that I should be doing to excel in this industry, you know, to get better? And the first thing that Corbin told me was, you know, to take acting classes, you know, um, and, and he didn't say it in a facetious, like, you know, shady, disrespectful way. He was genuinely telling me that, like, you know, if you're serious about this industry, you need to constantly be working on the craft. Right. That's how he said it, you know. Um, and I took that to heart, you know, so I made my business. Within a month, I had landed a private acting coach. You know, I, I had started working with Bob Luke. Bob Luke worked with um, actors and actresses like um, he worked with uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, who played mm-hmm. Buffy, the vampire slayer. Um, he worked with um, a couple of other uh, notable teenage stars. Um, uh, so, um, and, and like, you know, he, 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 he believed in me um, and he wanted to work with me. And so him and I, we worked together for about three years. Wow. Years. So no, I think about four years, actually four years. Mm -hmm. And um, he really helped groom me. And the person that I walked into his studios as, and the person that I walked out of his studios as four years later, um, man, I, you know, I, this is, people are going to laugh when I say this, but um, I used to have a speech impediment. I used to stutter, Mm. you know? Um, So Bob Luke, graciously helped me with that. Um, I had a speech coach, Katie Fable, who helped me with that. Um, and this is me answering what are the steps that I took to right. get to where I'm at today, you know? So for me being a writer, producer, actor, these are the things that I did to right. excel. 
And I, I think with the speech impediment, it's something that I think holds a lot of people back, man. So if you could share maybe like one great tip like they gave you that really helped you kind of, you know, work on the speech impediment to a point where it wasn't an issue anymore. Like what, what was the main thing for you? Well, for me, um, my speech coach, Katie, taught me breathing techniques, you know, and for me, I often found that like my mind was moving so quickly with words mm. that it just couldn't all, it jumbled up and when it was trying to come out. And that's how, that's when like my tongue got caught up on words and I started to stutter. And so like what she taught me to do was to dial everything back, like mentally. Right. Like in, in my, in my head, I had to like um, consciously speak almost like robotically. I mean, that's what, that's how she broke it down to me in the beginning. These days I don't have the same problems because, you know, I was able to, it's, it's years later now. So I've been able to like work my way out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the beginning, um, in the beginning um, it was, she, she was like, Oh, just like slow everything down. And even though it may sound crazy to me, Mm-hmm. but it's never going to sound crazy coming out to other people. They're going to hear every single word that I'm saying. And I started doing that and I started practicing it and I started doing the, my breathing techniques. And that's how I start, started to get away from my speech impediment. And um, so for me, it was twofold. I had to have an acting coach to teach me about the craft. And I also had to have a, a speech coach to help me be able to actually speak properly. Because unfortunately, if you can't speak, you're really not going to make it very far in this business. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's all part of doing the work. And we've already spoke about earlier, me taking um, screenwriting courses at NYU. Right. NYU Tisch program. So, you know, that's how I nurtured and, and, and honed in on that screenwriting ability. Now, to be clear, one of my degrees in undergrad is in, is in English literature. Mm-hmm. So reading and writing has always been a very strong suit for me. You know, what NYU taught me was how to um, harness and, and it taught me um, story structure. It taught me character development, you know, the essence of screenwriting. It, they didn't teach me how to do sentence structuring. They didn't teach me how to like, you know, formulate like, st- like that. all of that comes from you. They just teach you um, the, 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 the industry standard stylized formats. Right. So, and as far as, um, as far as producing goes mm-hmm. now, I, although I started producing my first short, I started t- t- taking it more seriously, um, uh, maybe around 2016. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when I, uh, um, that's when I, you know, um, started to go on different conferences. I started to take different webinars just to kind of learn about, um, learn about what a producer does, what a producer is, how does a producer operate? And right. these are all part of learning. You have to go through these things. So like you'll hear even doctors, doctors continue to take weekend um, uh, residency trips mm-hmm. or, you know, um, they'll do, um, uh, uh, you know, conferences and stuff like that where they stay up to date, they stay sharp on their tools. And that's what really it, it means to be a producer. Because the industry is always changing. Things are always, you know, especially in this day in the digital age, you have to be up, up, to, up to date with the time because a successful producer from 1999, if he doesn't continue to work and learn the industry and stay on top of his stuff, he's going to be, 
you know, obsolete in today's world, mm. you know? So you mm -hmm. have to continue to learn. So I think um, because I wear three different hats, I'm constantly learning, you know, all the time. I'm constantly in, in school and I don't mean school, physically school, mm -hmm. but like I'm, a, I'm doing things to educate myself, whether right. I'm reading something or I'm attending some type of conference or a webinar or something. I'm always doing something to learn more. How, do, how can I be better? How can I do better? How can I get to the next level? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, man. And that's what, you know, mastery is all about, man. Like mastering your craft and your skills, the hours that you put in, learning from other people, you know what I mean? Networking, like all the things that you're doing, oh, yeah, man, is sure. just moving towards that route, you know, to, to master your skills and to be one of the best, man. And I think that that's what eventually is going to come out of all of this, man. Um, and I know like you had like a lot of early success, man, um, so far in your career, man. Uh, you know, the, the first, your first uh, feature uh, film was on uh, the blacklist. And I know a lot of people might not know what it, exactly a blacklist correct. is. Um, not my first film. That was my first uh, feature screenplay. Screenplay, so screenplay. Yeah, so it's, not, right, so it's not a film yet. It's a script, but yes, correct. Okay, so can you, can you explain to us like exactly what a black like being on the blacklist means like uh, so the blacklist is the premier hollywood um undiscovered screenwriter um platform right. you know um screenwriters who have not gotten their big break yet you know write a script you know and they submit it to the blacklist you pay for this and you have um someone from the blacklist an industry insider um read your script and they evaluate it and mm -hmm. they judge, it, you know, and they give it a score of anywhere from one to 10, um, 10, obviously being the highest. I don't know many scripts that get 10. Um, I don't know why, but they do give out like nines and 9.5s and right. eight and 8.5s and sevens. So it's understood that anything above a seven is considered like, this is amazing. This is really good. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, a script is um, still a script. You still have to get a director. You still got to get actors. You still got to get a whole team to execute it. And sometimes an amazing script, for whatever reason, crashes. And sometimes a, a lukewarm, just average script becomes an amazing feature. Mm -hmm. it, the, the, you know, things happen in, 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 on, on, during production and in post-production. But what the Blacklist does, it says that if you look at this script, it gives you a very solid template, starting point. You know, because the script is the first thing in the world of cinema. If you don't have a script, you don't have a film. Mm. Um, and my script, um, at the end of the year, they compile a list of like the top 75 best scripts that they've gotten. And um, my script was ranked number 49 in 2018. Right. And that was a huge, huge, huge thing to make the blacklist um, it actually helped me get representation as well. Um, because, you know, people, they see that they see, um, Reggie Lochard and his, and this, and his script. And, you know, of course they Google you, they look you up. And if you don't have representation, people just start reaching out to you. Um, and it's not exactly that easy, but, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what the process is. That's gotcha. what that, the blacklist is. Got you. Kudos, man. And you can imagine the people who get like the top 10 script or whatever, they, those scripts usually get go straight into production or they get picked up quickly. Right. Right. Um, 
so like with you know like with uh you know covid right now and just the the just a lot of things happening in everybody's life right now um you know actors still have to act you know people still have to do what they got to do they got to go to work in the morning and do whatever man so you know with acting man like how is it um that you know you guys are able to kind of maintain certain emotions and you know certain things and kind of get away from what you're going through in life and then go into your character and these other people that um you know you you you're acting as and not allowing the outside world to impact what's going on you know behind the you know the screen and everything well for actors this is their job this is what they do mm-hmm. um this is what makes them happy this is what makes their heart beat this is who they are innately so um i think when you take that away from them that's when you're hurting them mm-hmm. you know when covid hit and productions had to stop actors or creatives in general were in a really difficult situation they found themselves in a tough predicament you know because they couldn't do what makes their their lifeblood tick you know mm-hmm. but when the opportunity for them to go back into production or go back on set i think they that was an opportunity that they all were itching for mm-hmm. you know it's like an athlete um getting ready or excited for their first game of the season you know they're right. looking they're, they're anticipating it they're looking forward to it and that's how actors are you know so when they're not working because of the pandemic if you recall back in march april may the whole country was shut down you know when they weren't able to work you know um that's that's when they um, are not happy. That's when they're, they're, you know, you see depression probably, mm. um, self-doubt, um, things like that. But, but the minute that they're able to, to um, get on set and, and, and be that character, even for a moment, you know, it helps them because it helps them escape their reality, this reality that we're currently living in. So I think it's a necessary um, thing for the creatives and the actors to be able to create, you know, they need this. Right. That, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That makes sense. Now from on another side too, like sometimes certain actors, actresses get too deep into the roles and things like that. When we hear, you know, stories of people like Heath Ledger that got too deep in that Joker role and, um, you know, other people that kind of have to, um, kind of backtrack a little bit, um, and maybe get some therapy or whatever it is, uh, how how do like you know actors avoid getting that deep into it is is that just a part of acting like in which you kind of have this it's, strong it's connection style. it's a style um mm-hmm. what you're referring to is called method acting mm-hmm. when the actor or the, or the talent immerses themselves in the role so for example if somebody who is traditionally not a smoker and a drinker you know in their personal life if they get a role that this character is a smoker and a drinker, you'll see that this actor starts smoking and drinking in their personal life as well in preparation for the role. I mean, it's it's what the craft requires if you want to be considered as one of the best. You know right. what I mean? People who you just named, Heath Ledger, you know, um, uh, the Daniel Day-Lewis, the Meryl Streeps, mm-hmm. you know, the Glenn Closes, um, uh, uh, you know, these, these types of actors, you know, the Jared Leto's, you know, when they get a role, they immerse their whole essence, their being into this role. So, so it's, it's for them, again, keep in mind, I know for, 
for um, most people, they look at actors or cinema as, oh, this is just a film. Mm-hmm. You have to understand these people who are bringing you this amazing performance. Like when you watch, when you watch a film, a good film, you never really realize what you're missing. Mm-hmm. You know, you never really realize you don't miss anything. You're like, oh, that was a good film. That was a really good film. But when you watch a bad film, you notice <laughs> everything. That's you true. You notice all of their flaws, you know, and that's the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, a good actor will will allow you to immerse yourself into the experience. You know, you're, 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 you're going to sympathize with, with the characters. You're going to sympathize with their struggle, with their, with their plight. And, and that's what a good actor is. Right. That, that reminds me um, of uh, Michael B. Jordan. I know he, he said he had to get therapy after the, uh, doing the role, you know, the Killmonger, Killmonger role. And, right. In Black yeah. Panther. Right. I mean, and, and he really went there. And, um, you know, so like, 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 I think that's what it takes. I mean, obviously everyone is not capable of doing that Mm -hmm. and that's okay too, you know, because not every film requires that level of commitment to a role. But if, if you do happen to get a chance to get a role like that, if you're the actor who can actually do that, I recommend you do it. I mean, again, everyone's not a method actor, but at the same time, you know, that's what, that's what separates the greats from the legends. Right. 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 Well, just the average people. Absolutely. Now for you, you're, you know, you're doing like three different things, man. And um, your your different roles. So um, can you share with us kind of like what your nine to five is like, like on a regular basis, man, like what's your everyday kind of routines like, man, um, in regards to the different stuff that you do and how do you just, how do you put it all in like within the 24 hours, man, I can't imagine, man, producing, screenwriting, acting in the same film. (laughs) Like It's a lot, man. So what, what's what's that like? The short answer is I don't have a nine to five because obviously right now it's 9.51 p.m. and they're <laughs> doing this. So <laughs> I don't really have a nine to five. And, it's, and it's, 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 it's very common for me to be on calls, whether it's interviews or it's meetings or it's production meetings or it's rehearsals or whatever the case may be. It's, it's very common for me to be on calls at 9, 10, 11 o'clock mm-hmm. because a lot of my colleagues and people who I work with live out in LA and LA is three hours behind. So let's right. just say seven o'clock for them, eight o'clock for them is like, you know, 10, 11 PM for me. And, you know, like, I mean, and I take, I take the meetings. So, um, um, I just, I just make it work to be honest with you. It's, it's not, like I said, it's not linear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I wake up in the morning, I have dogs, so I walk my dogs, you know, um, every day is not the same. So I can't say that, but, um, I do have structure in the sense that like, you know, there are certain things that I do map out to accomplish. Like if I have to have meetings with my manager, if I have to have meetings with my attorney, um, if I have to have meetings with, 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 with my team and my staff, you know, um, because again, as a producer, you are the head of the film. Uh, in in corporate America world, basically, a, a producer is like the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. hires everyone. He he makes sure everyone get, gets paid. You know, so like I have department heads. Like there's the head of 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 production design. There's the head of wardrobe. There's the head of makeup. There's the head of hair. I have to make sure that everybody is on the same page. So when we go to film this film everyone understands the style and the look that I'm going for, for this film. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, my hairstylist to, to bring a wig for my actress that looks like a 80s style wig. And this is a very contemporary type film right, or show. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it just that will be a clash. So for me, it's important that everyone's on their P's and Q's. That's really what a producer does, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah, like my days are never the same. Like I don't really have like a strict nine to five. I work, I work when I have to work. I do things when I have to do them. Okay. And when they call. So do you still get in like the exercise, the the food regimen? I know, oh, you know, for sure. Me working out, that is my escape. So like I, I work out five days a week. So I'm going to fit that in somewhere. <laughs> you know? It's never, people always ask me to work out with me, but that's almost impossible to do because my schedule is never the same twice. So like mm. some days I will get up at seven in the morning and I'll go work out bright and early. And other days I'll work out at 7 PM and other days I'll work out at 1 PM and others I work out at 4 PM. It's never the same twice. So um, it's kind of tough, but I, I get my workouts in for sure. Five days a week. Those are like, to me, working out is my job, you know, <laughs> it, it, yep. it, it, my physical, my physicality. Um, it's, 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 it's very much a, much a part of my brand as everything else a part of me you know i mean michael b jordan no no shade he's not gonna let himself get fat before he does creed three you know what i mean him being fit is very much part of his brand so um working out for me is i look at working out as work as well Mm. if i fit um, uh let's say a four o'clock to 5 15 into my schedule that's my workout schedule for the day that is it's like taking a meeting that's how that's I look. A, at it. That's a great way of looking at it, man. As opposed to, oh man, I got to work out on top of all of this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is part of the, the job, man. I, you know, without yeah. the exercise, I'm not going to be who I'm supposed to be with this. So I think that's that's extremely important, man. Um, so yeah, diving into, you know, your your first kind of uh, big feature film, when, when the Well Runs Dry, like you had a lot of success in that, man, you know, nominated for an award and everything. Um, did you expect that? Like when, when you first, you know, did everything? Um, and what were some things kind of like you got from doing that, uh, you know, doing everything that you did in that first film? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, I think you always, um, every opportunity you get to work on a film is always a blessing. You know, um, I don't think people understand just how difficult it is to actually execute and pull off a film. A film, mm. it's, it's so many moving parts. So whenever you can get a film done, you know, from start to finish, you have to pat yourself on the back because it's, it is a huge ordeal. Um, with that being said, um, I was very, I was very thankful for the opportunity and, and the lessons that I learned from working on when the Wellman's dry, you know, um, did it go as far as I would have liked it to go? No, it did not. I'll be very, I'll be very um, transparent when I, when I say that. I wish it would have done a little, a little more, but you know what? It, like every opportunity you get to work on a project, if you're not if you're not learning from the experience, then you miss the opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a lesson in life. If you if I mean, even when you fail at something, if you're not learning from that experience, then you miss then you had missed a huge opportunity. You Absolutely. know, um, and and when the Wellman's Drive um, allowed me to become a better producer, it allowed me to become. Um, I think that's what it allowed me to do. It, uh, like, you know, there, we made some mistakes, budget reason, budget reasons wise, um, that we just feasibly couldn't pull off because we didn't have the funding. So it, 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 it allowed me to know what not to do for the mm. next film. Gotcha. So I think that's why A for Alpha is, is, is doing so well already and film not even out yet but but just the trailer and just the concept because i learned so much Mm -hmm. from doing 
when the well runs dry, that I knew that if God gave me the opportunity to do this again, there's so much that I would do differently, you know? And, and I think what we see in A for Alpha is, is the results of, of all the stuff that I learned mm-hmm. the hard way mm-hmm. on when the well runs dry. Yeah, that, that is interesting, man. And speaking of A for Alpha, man, um, it, it does have an interesting storyline and everything. Um, where where did that idea kind of originate from, man, for you to to, um, <laughs> to be, you know, talking um, about kind of what it means to be a man and, um, you know, certain roles, like gender roles and things like that, the expectations. So um, did you have like personal experience, like ideas of like, you know, just from personal experience that you infuse in? So first I'll say to you, um, A for Alpha is a film about um, gender roles and um, uh, it it addresses equality in today's society, you know, and it, it bodes the question of, of of what does it mean to be an alpha in today's society, you know, uh, mm. alpha male or an alpha female, you know, um, traditionally, um, you know, you're a man, you're raised, you're, you hear certain things, you know, men are supposed to do certain things and women are supposed to do certain things. Uh, women are traditionally domesticated and they're in like uh, the kitchen and cooking and cleaning and they're tending to the kids and that's what women do. Um, men are supposed to go out to work, make the money, uh, be the providers, the protectors, you know, even as young as a kid, when I was a kid, um, uh, my mom used to always like, it was one of my chores was taking out the trash. Now, you know, like my sister, who's two years older than me, I used to be like, why can't she take out the trash? You know, like, <laughs> like it's, just, oh, it's just garbage, you know, but like my mom would like delegate um, the work, like doing the dishes for her which my mom felt like was more of a woman's job or whatever, or help my mom cook, you know, like, you know, but it's, it's kind of crazy because now I live by myself. I have my own apartment and like, I can be very honest when I say I'm not a very good cook. I'm not a very (laughs) good cook. Um, I wish my mom would have did a better job of teaching me how to cook. Now, granted, I know there's some men out there who handle all that stuff perfectly and it's fine mm-hmm. but um i'm just you know the film just addresses the archaic schools of thought that you know this is what this is a woman's lane and this is a men's lane mm. um what inspired the film um uh, a good good friend of mine um had recently at the time just got married they were newlyweds and they had just bought a brand new house so he had a few of the guys over myself and a few of our you know high school friends mm-hmm. over to kind of like just chill, hang out, see, see the house. And we were all in the basement and um, his, his wife came down um, and she asked him to do the laundry. And he was like, I ain't going to do the laundry. Like that's a woman's thing. Like you do. <laughs> and like, I was shocked. You know, I was, I was really shocked because um, like, this is your wife, you know, this right. is, this is your woman. Like, like she is, I mean, it's not like it's 1920 where we're like, we're beating clothes on rocks. And I mean, like <laughs> these days, technology is so advanced. Like you just throw the, the clothes in a washing machine, press a, uh, a feature and you, and, and you forget about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Until it's time to put in the dryer, of course. But no, he was pretty adamant about not doing the laundry. And, um, and just, just like when he said that's a woman's job, you know, that kind of stuck out to me that, you know, even in, at the time, this was, I think, what, 2019, maybe 2018. Um, and I was just like shocked, like in this day and age, you still mm. think that way, 
you know, like she's supposed to do this for you, like, or you can't help her out. I just, it just, it, honestly, it really bothered me. And I really wanted in that moment, I wish she would have been joking, but maybe he was, I don't know. Um, but all I know is that while we were there, he never did it. He never did it. <laughs> so I don't know if he did it afterwards. I can't speak on that, but it definitely made me want to explore that narrative. And that's how um, A for Alpha came, came to be. Mm, Especially because if you look at the statistics, um, women in today's society, they are flourishing. You know, there are more women CEOs, C-level executives, entrepreneurs. Women are more educated today than they've ever been ever in history, Mm. you know, and that's something to to marvel at, you know. So um, that's a huge achievement. So I just I I just felt like this was a so the appropriate time to want to address this topic. Right. I'm, I'm excited to see where you go with it, man, because there's like so many different levels and sides to this. Cause it's like, you know, should a woman really be doing every single job that a guy could do, you know, or could a guy do every single job that a woman could do? And is there a balance? Is there like some stuff that, you know, definitely guys should be doing like, you know, is, is, is the woman going to go on the roof and fix the roof? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that might be okay to certain people or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So it's like, are there certain boundaries? Are there certain things that definitely men should be doing or definitely women should be doing? Um, and then is there, you know, a, well, a point where they I meet will, in between? I will say, I will say this. I will stop you there. So one thing that the film doesn't do, the film does not look to solve the world's problems. Mm. So all these questions <laughs> you're asking, should a woman be the one fixing the roof? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, what A for Alpha does well, A for Alpha doesn't tell people what it is. It's... It's an amazing conversation starter, you know, obviously at the end of the day, you know, every household, every relationship is different. You know, what works for one might not work for another. So we, and, 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 and we, we knew that filming this project. So we were very conscious about not trying to set a new standard Mm -hmm. or a new stereotype or whatever the case may be. You know, we really just wanted to do a film that asked all the hard questions you know, why can't a woman do this? Or why can't a man do this? Why is it taboo for the woman to be the breadwinner? You know, why is it when a woman is the one who is bringing in all the, all, all the money and the man is either a stay-at-home guy, you know, in a crowded room of men, it's like he's being emasculated. Why mm. is that the case, but not the case when traditionally the men are the ones who are always making all the money and it's, no one ever thought twice about it. So, um, you know, and that's all that the film does. It just, it just asks all the hard questions. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the answers. Obviously the answers are up to interpretation. Absolutely. I agree with that, man. Just each individual figuring out, you know, their own answers and what it means to them to be a man and what it means to them to be a woman. And, um, you know, finding that balance with their partners, man. Like, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, you know, let's say like somebody kind of, you know, a black person goes in and sees uh, your film, A for Alpha, or even when the when the well runs dry. Um, what what exactly do you want them getting out of, you know, what you're producing um, into the world? Like, what do you want them getting from it? Well, whenever someone sees a work that I'm associated with, that my name is attached to, I want them to know that they're going to get something of quality. You know, they're, 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 they're going to get something um that's going to force them to 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 to, to think you mm. know and 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 they're going to get something um 
that is going to quality force him to think and absolutely entertaining got you got you all right so for the one that does go in there and they they come out they're inspired they found out you know you you wrote it you acted in it you produced it like yo i want to kind of do the same things like what what advice would you have for that person that kind of wants to write their own path kind of like what you're doing right now my best advice to upcoming filmmakers is to figure out what you want to do as quickly as possible and start executing it, whatever it is you want to do. Whether you want to be a director, you want to be a producer, a writer, an actor, you want to be a cinematographer, uh, doesn't matter. You know, if your dream is to be a showrunner like Shonda Rhimes, you know, um, doesn't matter. Figure it out and and and, and start doing it. The, the, the sooner you get on the ball, the better, you know, and of course, read everything you can about, you know, you er, earlier in this um, interview, I spoke about, you know, attending webinars, attending conferences, you know, I mean, these are not traditional linear schools, like you're not like at NYU unless a tennis conference, no, like, you know, you, if you find out that Sundance is doing a producer's course, a three-week producer's course, or even a, a, a six hour intensive, sign up for that intensive, you know, sign up for it. You know, it may cost you $250, but in the grand scheme of things, if you think, if you think about this industry, the way doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects thinks about their careers, you know, how much money does a lawyer spend on law school? Mm, that's a great you know, point. By the time a lawyer comes out of law school, let's, let's say you go to Columbia. Columbia is $60,000 a year. Oof. Law school is three years. Okay, that's one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Right, and let's not even add in, um, you know, like just interest. So you're probably looking at maybe two hundred k by the time you come out of law school. Okay, mm-hmm. let's not forget lawyers still have to pass the bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but what is the starting salary of a, a of a first year associate? what 135k if you're at a big corporate law firm right 135k is pretty nice you know what i mean to Mm -hmm. to make so you think that they'll be able to pay off that those student loans back pretty quickly and that's how i want more filmmakers to look at this industry to look Mm at um what we do so when you do hear about sundance offering an intensive for 250 dollars $300. $300. Instead of looking at it like, oh, this is so much money. Think of it as an investment in your career. Mm. You want to be better. You want to get better. You know, maybe Sundance isn't doing it. Maybe Tribeca's having one. Maybe Film Independent's having one. Whoever, when you can get them, I would recommend you jumping on them. And that's my best advice to any up and coming young filmmaker. And again, not just filmmaker, anybody who wants to do anything in life. Figure out what it is you want to do. The quicker you can figure it out, the more successful you'll be. Great advice, man. Great advice, man. Investing in yourself, man. That is so important, man. Because, you know, if if it's in yourself, it's going to, the return is going to come back, man. Definitely going to come back. So definitely agree with that, man. All right. Let's dive into, you know, a little activity here called that's your, uh, what's your favorite. Uh, So just diving into some of your favorite things, getting to know you a little better, Reggie. Um, so other than, I guess, The Matrix, uh, do you have any other favorite movies or favorite shows that you enjoy? I'm a huge movie buff. 
Um, uh, I love a lot of films, honestly, but I will keep it to three. This is just gonna be for time. Um, so The Matrix, Inception, and um, my third favorite film is going to have to go to, um, this is a, a low blow here, but Aladdin. Aladdin, interesting. You talking about the new one? The one that- No, 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 God. No, this was <laughs> the new one. I mean the animated one. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my, fa- it's my, it's my favorite Disney film. That is, yeah, nah, Aladdin is a classic, man. Classic, classic. Yeah. All right. Do you Not have- uh, favorite actors or actresses that you you enjoy watching? If you would have asked me this question five years, ten years ago, I would have, you know, been screaming at, at the helms. But because these these are, I look at these people as my peers now. Ah. Um, um, I do enjoy a lot of them. I mean, you brought up Michael B. Jordan earlier. I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, but if I may say, um. I don't get so caught up these days on actors. I have a huge thing for directors. Mm. There are people who I want to work with in the future. Got you. I, th- I think that's so important too. Like when you are in your craft, in your area, not to see people as like, oh my God, there goes Michael B. Jordan. But it's right. like, there sure. goes, you know, I'm, I'm happy he's doing what he's doing, but I'm trying to be on his level. So we can't, exactly. we can't look at him like he's he's above everybody else, you know, if, you're, right, right, if right. you want to be on that same level. So I definitely agree with that, man. Just looking at people as people and not like, oh, Michael B. Jordan, oh my God, like you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, man. Um, all right. Favorite memory as an athlete? Oh, man. Favorite memory as an athlete. Um, they all they're all favorites at this point, even me losing, because I, at that time I was doing what I loved, you know what I didn't, you know how they say you have to, you don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore. Yep. 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 Um, And like, I think I just took those experiences, those moments for granted. I remember um, being at the armory, you were, you were at a few of these meets with, with, uh, with yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, And they would be (laughs) such long days and like at the end of the day you had to do the four by four and it's like oh i want to go home you know but now you're like i miss those days so um i would say all of it but most importantly i think my favorite experience was just the camaraderie honestly Mm. the friendships the teammates whether i was in high school i was in college that's what that's what really stuck with me, you know, because the races, whether you win it or you lose it, you know, it is what it is. But like, I think making connections like what we have, like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you and I, we were on the same track team together in high school. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing. That's what yeah. I miss. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, man. It's like dudes you're going to war with every day, man. You know, literally. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, are, you will never be closer with anyone than you are with your teammates. Yep. For sure. Yep. Yep. For sure, man. For sure. All right, just a uh, favorite thing about the film industry, man, whether it be acting, screenwriting, or direct, uh, producing, directing, whatever. What, what would you say are some of your favorite things about it? Um, hands down, screenwriting. Because as I said earlier, um, without a script, you don't have anything. Gotcha. That's I, true. I That's really true. appreciate what screenwriters do. Mm. All right. Um, favorite food? Favorite food? Fried chicken. Fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> Every time black people say fried chicken, I laugh because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. It's literally the truth. I'm oh, not, not some exotic bourgeois type of person. I'm very much down to it. I'm very much chill. Um, yeah, fried chicken for sure. Got you. Got Good you. fried chicken. Uh huh. All right. Um, all right. Now, uh, with COVID, man, you know, it's important for us to just, you know, maintain our, our mental health and our mental state. So, what has been your favorite thing kind of to do to, to maintain or sustain your mental health? 
I have a therapist oh. once a week, um, every Wednesday, and he has helped me so much because I had been through a lot this past year, 2020. So, um, you know, and I've become a very big advocate for therapy because coming from someone who is from uh, tr very traditional strict backgrounds and, you know, my parents are from the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. um, so for them, in their ideology, if you were in therapy, it automatically meant that you were crazy, you know, and that's how that's I was raised. Right. And, and that's just, it, you know, it, therapy was very, very, very taboo. And to be honest, it's very, very taboo still in the black community. Um, but I'm changing the narrative. I'm changing the narrative. I've had a conversation with my sister. You know, I've been very open about it, you know, and I think it's helped me. You know, I've had some relationship issues that has um, really affected me hard. And then, of course, I've dealt with loss during COVID, um, this pandemic, you know, um, I've, I've dealt with the fear of my film not being able to see the light of day because of this pandemic, you know, mm. had to stop production for a little bit. Um, that was very scary. You know, it's like you put your all into something and then all of a sudden it's like, it has to stop, you know? So I had to, I, I, I will be very honest, you know, there was a period in this past year where I was depressed, you know, and I, and, and um, I, I needed to get a therapist and this is my first time ever, ever going to therapy. Now we mm. do it over the phone. It's not like I'm going to his couch and sitting down and talking to him, unfortunately, but I still, I still get the same benefits. I think that's, uh, that's very powerful, man. Just having that understanding that you need the help and that, you know what I mean? To go against the taboos and the, ah, oh, man, you don't need a therapist. Like that's for crazy people or whatever it is, man. Yeah. And just understanding like, yo, I really, I really do need one. I really have to, you know, talk about some of my issues and what I'm going through, man, because this is not a normal time frame in human life at all, man. I think everybody can use therapy, whether it's, you know, professional therapists or whether it's your best friend that you're talking to about your problems and what's going on. Like, we all need that right now, man. I think you're so right, like that we have to change that that stigma and, um, you know, as black people that we we can just do it on our own. You know what I mean? We, for sure. And it's, it's so far from the truth, man. So thank you for bringing that out, man. All right. Um, so next one is uh, this or that. So just choosing between uh, two things. Uh, you, you can elaborate if you want, or you can keep it short and sweet. All right. So we got acting or directing. Well, I'm not or producing, acting or producing, <laughs> acting or producing. Um, gosh. <laughs> both. Can I say both? Is that possible? <laughs> it's cheating a little bit, but I'll, we'll, we'll uh, take it. We'll uh, take uh, it. Let's go with producing. Let's go with producing. Let's go with producing. Let's go with producing. Got you. Got you. Um, I think I know this one, a uh, movie or a television show? A uh, movie, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with the exercise, cardio or weights? Cardio. Uh, food, fruits, or vegetables? Fruits. Fruits. I pop grapes like Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. All right. Um, morning person or night person? Night person, absolutely. Night person. We're doing this call at night. <laughs> I'm a wired awake. I'm awake. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm the same way, man. Stay up all, all night, man. To the wee hours. That's when I get most of my, my, my good work done, man. Me too. Um, definitely relate to that. All right. Um, so just going back into into your your life and and what you're doing, man. Um, let's flash forward, you know, years and years from now, where people are looking at, you know, the uh either the documentary or the uh, story of Reg Reggie Lachard and everything that you've done in that, you know, 
that you were about, what do you want people to get from that experience about your life, man? What do you want that legacy to be? I made my own way and I never gave up or never mm. gave up. Powerful, powerful, for sure, man, for sure. All right. Um, man, Reggie's been, it's been an amazing, uh, experience, man, just chatting it up about, you know, your life and, um, you know, movies, the acting, everything, man. I learned a lot, man. I appreciate you from, for, uh, coming on, man. No, thank you so much for having me. I had such an amazing time and, you know, it's, it's always great. Sometimes it takes others to really, um, remind you just how much you've done or how appreciative you really are. So I just want to say thank you for that because that's what this session for me was. And I just want to say thank you again. Absolutely, man. And we're doing it for each other, man. We're doing it for each other, man. Um, if you could leave us, man, with some, you know, a little gem here, man, maybe your favorite quote and what it means to you. Um, yeah, this is my favorite quote of all time. Um, life is about choices. Life is about choices. Um, whether you choose to do it or you choose to not do it is a choice. Mm, that's powerful, man. That, that's definitely something to think about, man. Because a lot of times we feel like we have to do it. You don't have to do it, man. Absolutely. I mean, I listen, I mean, like, look, I look at life like you're always at a fork in the road. You know, you can, you can choose to not submit this project, this script or whatever to this and if you choose not to, that's fine. Your life will not change. It will stay the same. Mm. But if you choose to, all that you've been praying for, all that you've wanted, you know, may very well come to life. Mm. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Always have a choice. Even when you think you don't. That is right. That is right. All right. Um, so for people that are inspired, uh, that kind of want to pick your brain a little more and maybe ask a question or uh, get information for um, A for Alpha, um, where can they find you? Well, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is ReggieLow24. That's R-E-G-G-I-E-L-O-2-4. On Facebook and Twitter, um, it's just my name. It's just Reggie Lochard. You type in Reggie, R-E-G-G-I-E, my last name, L-O-C-H-A-R-D, on both Facebook and Twitter, and you'll uh, find me there very easily. Um, the movie has a Facebook and an Instagram page. It's A for Alpha Film, A, the letter A, mm -hmm. for F-O-R, Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, film f-i-l-m a for alpha film on instagram and facebook and uh there's the film also has a website where you can literally find out everything about the film what festival it's playing at you could check out the trailers you could read about the cast and the crew my, my, my director you could read about the project i highly recommend people visit the um, film's website it's uh www.aforalphafilm.com and, um, and it's, it's a one-stop shop for everything A for Alpha in this project. So keep your eyes on um, the film's Instagram page, the film's Facebook page, check out the film's website. Or if you don't want to do all that, you can also just check out my personal page. I will keep you up to date as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and we're looking forward to more future projects, man. And um, your work, man, your work throughout the years, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited 
about the movie and just everything else that's that's to come, man. Um, so again, man, we, we appreciate having you on the program. It's been a fun learning experience too. Like a lot of stuff, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of these things and with the acting and the movies and what, what the life life is like, you know, in, in, in that environment, man. So we appreciate, you know, you giving us that inside look into, into your life and everything, man. And uh, guys, hopefully, you know, we learned something and we were motivated. Uh, make sure you share and subscribe, share the program with people that you know that are interested in this career or just interested in, um, you know, getting getting the motivation um, from the program. Uh, so we appreciate and thank you for listening. And remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind.